Well, good morning and welcome. So great to see you all today. And it's, it's awesome to see some sunshine this morning. We want to welcome you to East LJ Baptist Church and wish you a Merry Christmas. We're so glad you're here. Uh, it's wonderful to have such a great crowd today. And uh, we're going to have some great worship today, especially led by our children in just a few minutes. Uh, if you're visiting with us for the first time this morning, though, we want to make sure that you know we are so glad you're here. Uh, we want you to know who we are. We are a church who's been captivated by Christ. We have seen in the Lord Jesus the beauty of God's glory through his life, death, and resurrection. And having seen his glory, we cannot unsee that. We've been captivated by him. We live and exist that we, uh, we might spread our enjoyment of his beauty with the world. And we want you to see that beauty today. And we know you'll see that beauty through everything from our children and, and their, as they lead us in worship uh, to our corporate worship time and, and even as we open the Word a little bit later on. So, so welcome and may you be captivated by Christ today. Let's pray together. Father, we praise you for another Lord's Day and this Sunday before Christmas. Lord, thank you for the season of Advent that we are, uh, we are in and just the time to consider your first coming, even as we anticipate and, and long for your return, Lord Jesus. We pray, come quickly, Lord Jesus. Father, thank you that we have the knowledge of your glory revealed, Lord, the, the, the the understanding of your love and mercy given in Jesus. Thank you that you so love the world that you sent your son to be born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who are under the law, that we might be adopted as sons and daughters of the living God by the grace of God. Lord, how we pray for our neighbors and the nations who are yet to to know Jesus personally. God, make us bold witnesses, raise up from among us those who would go to the ends of the earth to take the gospel to those who've yet to hear the name. And Father, today we pray for some even in our own church family and, and, and near to our church family. We pray for Zeke Buffington as he continues there in the hospital. We lift up Mr. Yule Reese. We pray for Sherry Newton who is actually back in the hospital. Uh, Lord, we pray for Raymond Jacobs. And Mike Williams. We lift up Linda and Joe Painter. We, Father, pray for comfort for the families of Pat Sears and Pauline Watkins. God, as a church, we just join our hearts together to pray for the tornado victims and all of those uh, relief workers uh, who are laboring so hard uh, even now. God, we lift up our health care workers all around the nation and we thank you for them. God, we thank you that your kingdom, Jesus said, is full of those who are like children. The only way we'll ever come to you is if we make ourselves like children and simply believe what our Father says, humble ourselves, cling to Jesus for life, and trust Him. Father, thank you for our children. Use them now to remind us of who you are, to show us your beauty, to show us your glory. And to, and to lift high the name of Christ. It's in his name that we ask it. Amen. And so without any further ado, here come our, our kids, our young folks.
Long ago, about 2,000 years ago, God sent the angel Gabriel to a young woman who lived in the northern town of Nazareth. The girl's name was Mary, and she was engaged to marry a man named Joseph. The angel Gabriel said to Mary, Peace be with you. God has blessed you and is pleased with you. Don't be afraid. God has been very kind to you. You will become pregnant and give birth to a baby boy, and you will call him Jesus. He will be God's own son, and his kingdom will never end. Mary was very afraid, but she trusted God. Gabriel also told Mary that her cousin, Elizabeth, who everyone thought was too old to have children, would have a baby boy whom God has chosen to prepare the way for Jesus. Joseph was worried when he found out that Mary was expecting a baby before their marriage had taken place. Then an angel appeared in Joseph's in, to Joseph in a dream and said, Don't be afraid to have Mary as your wife. The angel explained that Mary had been chosen by God to be the mother of his son and told Joseph that the baby would be named Jesus, which means Savior. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel had told him to do and took Mary as his wife. At this time, the land where Mary and Joseph lived was part of the Roman Empire. The Roman Emperor Augustus wanted to have a list of all people in the empire to make sure they paid their taxes. He ordered everyone to return to their town and families originally came from and enter their names in the register there. Mary and Joseph traveled a long way, about 70 miles from Nazareth to Bethlehem because the, that is where Joseph's family came from. Joseph and Mary traveled fairly slowly because Mary's baby was due to be born soon. When they reached Bethlehem, they had problems finding somewhere to stay. So many people had come to register their names in the census that every house was full and every bed was taken. The only place to stay was with the animals in a stable. So in the dirty, smelly place where the animals slept, Mary gave birth to Jesus, the Son of God. Jesus' bed was the manger that the animals ate their hay from. In the hills and fields outside Bethlehem, shepherds looked after their sheep through the long night. As the new day began, suddenly an angel appeared before them, and the glory of God shone around them. The shepherds were afraid, but the angel said, Do not be afraid. I have good news for you and everyone. Today in Bethlehem, a Savior has been born for you. You will find the baby lying in a manger. Then many more angels appeared lighting up the sky. The shepherds heard them praising God, singing glory to God in the highest, and peace to everyone on earth. When the angels had gone, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem to see what has happened. So the shepherds went to Bethlehem and found Mary and Joseph. The baby Jesus was lying in a manger, as they had been told. When they saw him, they told everyone what the angel had said, and everyone who heard the story was astonished. When Jesus was born, a brand new bright star appeared in the sky. Some wise men in faraway countries saw the star and guessed what it meant. They were very clever men that studied the stars and had read in very old writings that a new star would appear when a great king was born. They set out to find a new king and bring him gifts. The wise men followed the star towards Bethlehem. It seemed to stop and shine directly down upon the place where Jesus was. The wise men 
entered the house where they now lived and found Jesus with Mary. They bowed down and worshipped him. The wise men brought gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Thank you, God, for the miracle of Christmas.
Travis. All right. Now, there's something that you're supposed to do when you leave here. Did you catch it? Go tell it on the mountain. Jesus Christ is born. Amen. Man, I tell you what, Joe, you got some future, where'd you go? You got some future uh, worship team singers there. Kids, thank you so much. And let's thank our children's workers that have been working with our children for, uh, for this morning. We appreciate uh, all, all those, Julie and, and Meredith and others that have been helping um, get the kids ready for this morning. And what an exciting rendition of Go Tell It on the Mountain. That was just beautiful. And you know what? That's what Christmas is all about getting the message out that Jesus is here, that God has become man. And that's, that's what we're going to worship uh, the Lord about today. Amen? Amen. Let's stand together as we worship in song. See 
Father, this morning we pray that we would be able to see what you've done. Father, we praise you for what you've done. We rejoice in Emmanuel, God with us, the Lord Jesus, the eternal Son of God, become flesh to live a perfect life in our place, to go to the cross and there bear all of your just wrath against our sins in our place as our substitute, to be buried on the third day, rise again in victory over sin, death, and hell. Lord, thank you. That that is who Jesus is. And I pray, Lord, for any in the room today or joining us via live stream, Lord, that have yet to see, truly see with the eyes of their heart who Jesus is, that today would be the day they understand. And Lord, for those of us who know you by your grace and mercy, Lord, help us to see you more clearly. Help us to see, even this morning, how... Who you are should change everything in our lives. Lord, may our lives, as we leave this place and go into this Christmas week, Lord, may our lives point men, women, boys, and girls to you. May we live differently as we follow 
the Prince of Peace. In whose name we pray. Amen. I'll invite you to turn with me in your Bibles this morning to Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 9 is where we're going to be in just a few minutes. Isaiah chapter 9, we'll be looking at verses 1 through 7. Pastor Charlie Dates made this statement. Somewhere in that first Christmas was a lot of terror, political turmoil, pending infanticide, a shake-up in the established religious order. Does that sound familiar to you this morning in 2021? Add to that the stress and anxiety created by the COVID-19 pandemic, with many still living in fear and dread of the next wave. Pastor Dates goes on to say, we don't need things to be ideal to enjoy Christmas. It seems like God, in fact, timed His entrance to meet our chaos with His joy. And with his peace, I might add. Perhaps like never before, would you agree we need peace today? Anybody? We're going to be looking at a 2,700-year-old birth announcement this morning. The birth announcement of the Prince of Peace. This was a birth that had to happen in a desperate world if humanity would ever know rescue from and peace with its creator and judge and come into the joy of knowing him as father. But unlike any other birth announcement you may have received, this birth announcement came 700 years before, not a few days after, the birth. This birth, though, it appeared to be just another poor, oppressed young mother in Israel giving birth to another Jewish boy, was in fact a royal birth. And the baby would be, as our text shows us this morning, the Prince of Peace. The story of the Bible is that Jesus Christ, the Prince of Peace, came into human history to take for himself a bride called the church, that's you and me if, if you know him today, to take us out of our spiritual poverty and mortal end to an everlasting feast with him forever. The chief end of man, theologians say, is to glorify God by enjoying him forever. And that's why this prince not only came once to destroy sin and death, but is coming again to deliver the final blow and take his bride home. Isaiah chapter 9, verses 1 through 7, show us that a prince is born. I don't know how long ago it's been now, but you know, it wasn't too long back that one of the, the, the royals got married, right? And did it... I'm not. Some, some, some of you are fascinated by the royals. So who watched the prince? Was it Prince Harry? Y'all help me. Nobody knows. 
Does anybody know? Yes, okay, Julie, thank you. Somebody's nodding. I'm looking at people that I think should know, and they're just staring at me. So uh, Prince Harry, right? Big deal. And like the whole world stopped, right? How many of you watched the wedding? Okay, Gilmore County did not stop. I stand uh, clearly cor- corrected and realize at this moment that this is a very bad sermon illustration to use in this church. So maybe we'll just move on. Uh, apparently, princes are no big deal to y'all. So anyway, this prince needs to be a big deal. I was going somewhere with that, but you weren't coming. So <laughs> if you've never cared about a prince, you need to know about the Prince of Peace. A prince is born. <laughs> That's absolutely never happened in my whole history of preaching, and um, it was bound to happen on a Christmas Sunday. There we go. Here's what you need to know about this prince. It's really important. Stay with me on this. Gilmer County, heed the prince. You can live now and forever in the peace that Jesus gives. You can. Isaiah chapter 9, verses 1 through 7. You probably need to stand up. Um, for the word of, reading of the Word of God, and we probably just need that motion to just all kind of get synced back up after that total disaster on the illustration. Isaiah chapter 9, verses 1 through 7, hear the word of the Lord. But there will be no gloom for her who is in anguish. In the former time he brought into contempt the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, but in the latter time he has made glorious the way of the sea, The land beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the nations, the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them has light shone. You have multiplied the nation. You have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest, as they are glad when they divide the spoil. For the yoke of his burden and the staff of his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor, you have broken as on the day of Midian." For every boot of the tramping warrior in battle tumult and every garment rolled in blood will be burned as fuel for the fire. Now, you may not understand all the imagery and all the references geographically, but here's the bottom line. You get the picture. A good day, a better day is coming. Peace is coming. A rule of peace and joy is coming. How will all this be possible in a world like theirs and in a world like ours? That's the question, verses 6 and 7 answer. All of that can happen for or because to us a child is born. To us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace of the increase of His government, that is, the government of the Prince of Peace, and of peace there will be no end on the throne of David and over His kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Thank you. And you may be seated. May God powerfully bless the reading and the hearing of his word. A prince is born. And because of that, you can live now and forever in the peace Jesus gives. I want you to notice four truths about the peace that the prince of peace brings and offers to you 
today. Four truths about that peace. First of all, notice Jesus is the Prince of Peace who gives us peace with God. Peace with God. Can I just tell you at the very beginning, this one is the most important truth that you'll hear this morning. The Prince of Peace has come to give you peace with God. The single greatest need in the life of any man, woman, boy, or girl that's ever lived or ever will live. Paul David, David Tripp says, The birth of Jesus is a diagnosis of our need and the only true solution available. God reached down to us in the birth of His Son because sin made us unwilling and unable to reach up to Him. Jesus is the Prince of Peace who has come to give us peace with God. Galatians 4 verses 4 and 5 puts it this way, But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth His Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. What is Christmas all about? Christmas, that first Christmas morn, that event of the birth of Christ that we've been singing, that the kids have been singing about, that you've been singing about this morning, what's it all about? It's about the fullness of time coming to the plan of God. God's plan to save humanity. God's plan to redeem those who had rebelled against Him and rejected His ways. And in the fullness of time, God sent forth His Son. How did He do it? He sent Jesus through the womb of a virgin, Mary, born of a woman, born under the law there in Israel. Why? What was the point of the birth in order to redeem those who were under the law so that, catch it, so that enemies could be made sons? so that we might receive adoption as sons. The Son, the Prince of Peace, has come to give us peace with God. There's a great hymn, and we sing it sometimes, Come Behold the Wondrous Mystery. Here's how the words go to one of the verses. Come Behold the Wondrous Mystery. He, the perfect Son of Man... In his living, in his suffering, never trace nor stain of sin. See the true and better Adam come to save the hell-bound man. Christ, the great and sure fulfillment of the law. In him we stand. That's what Galatians 4, verses 4 and 5 is all about. That's what Christmas is all about. The Prince of Peace come to give us peace with God. And that is amazing news. What grace. You know, God created the world. God created humanity. And what did Adam and Eve do? They sinned against Him. And following Adam and Eve's sin, every, every man, woman, boy, or girl, we, every single person who's ever lived has sinned, right? And instead of just wiping us all out for not being thankful to Him for all that He has, would provide for us and, and for His goodness and His holiness, instead of just wiping the, the planet clean, God, because of His great love with which He loved us, the Scripture says, sent His Son. said, this bunch can't do anything for itself. Humanity can do nothing to redeem itself. It, can, it, can't, it can't turn over a new leaf or, or go back and fix things. There's no remedy of, unless I do something. And so I'm sending my Son to be righteous in their place and to to, to pay the price for the sins they've already and, and will commit. I'm sending my son to defeat death. 
and overcome the power of hell. What amazing news. Romans 3, verses 23 to 26, put it this way, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All. No exceptions. And are justified. The only way we're justified is by His grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Jesus paid it all. He paid the price we could not pay. Whom God put forward as a propitiation by His blood. He had to die on the cross to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance he passed over former sins. It was to show his righteousness at the present time so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. So much there, but let me just say this quickly. What God accomplished through the birth, life, death, and resurrection of Jesus was a just remedy for our sins so that he could call his enemies his children. What does it mean when it says he could be just and the justifier of those who put their faith in Jesus? It means that God did not just say, I'm going to forget about your sins. I'm just not going to worry about your sins. You see, if he did that, he couldn't be just. Amen? You understand what I'm saying there? The price had to be paid. There was guilt. It had to be atoned for. And so Jesus died in our place. But because he died in our place and, and bore the full, unmitigated wrath of Almighty God against my sin and yours, because all the price was paid, now God can say to you and me, I declare you righteous because of what Jesus did. But I'm just because your sin has been paid for. So that he's just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. Jesus is the Prince of Peace who gives us peace with God. We saw a couple of weeks ago that Jesus' family tree was filled with liars, cheaters, cowards, idolaters, adulterers, deceivers, manipulators, hypocrites, brawlers, pagans, prostitutes, perverts, and murderers. Guess what? You're in there somewhere, okay? You're included in some of that mess. And aren't you glad? Sam Albury says this, this family Jesus came from reflects the family he came for. Jesus was born to die for our sins, no matter what they are. No matter how far you've gone from God, no matter how long you've stayed in sin, Jesus came to die for you. And even his own genealogy there in Matthew 1 and Luke 3 show us The grace of God. Romans 5 verse 8 says this, God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. I think of John 3, 16. For God so loved the world. He loved the world in this way. He gave his only begotten son. When we were his enemies, when we were still living in sin... We didn't dial up heaven and say, hey, can you do something for us down here? We're in trouble. We were going 100 miles an hour in the other direction. We were living just hard against God. All of humanity was, 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 was running away from God in sin and loving it. And God, because of the glory of his own being, because of who he is, sent his son. While we were still sinners, Christ was born 
to die, and he died in our place. I love Isaiah 53, verse 5, that says of Jesus, He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. You see, Jesus was the perfect Lamb of God, spotless, no sin. He never disobeyed God even one time. He was perfectly holy and righteous, unlike us. And yet he was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us, what? Peace. Peace how? Just a feel-good kind of peace? Just a, ooh, just a warm, fuzzy, feeling peace? No, peace with God. The holy judge before whom, whom we all stand. He brought us peace, and with his wounds we are healed. What grace, what mercy. This is the Prince of Peace. Romans 5, verses 1 and 2 tell us, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through Him we, also, we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand, and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Paul says, because we've trusted Jesus, because according to Scripture we've come to Jesus and said, Jesus, we believe what God says about you. We believe you are our righteousness. We believe you paid it all. And we believe that if we will rest in you, if we will depend on you, if we will trust in you, then God will count us righteous. He will declare us righteous before his holy bar on your behalf, Jesus. And so we've come to you. Prince of Peace, we come to you. Since we've been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And so today, if you know Jesus, if you've trusted him, then you have everlasting peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. But hear me today, if you're here, and, and that's not true for you, you can have peace. Because Jesus is the Prince of Peace who has come to give us peace with God. Jesus himself is our Peace. The Prince of Peace who gives peace with God. So let me just ask you, do you, do you have peace with God through the Prince of Peace, Jesus Christ? Have you ever trusted Him for the forgiveness of your sins? Have you ever come to Him and said, I have no righteousness, Jesus. I need your righteousness before God. Do you have peace with God? Listen, you can live now and forever in the peace that Jesus gives. Jesus is the Prince of Peace that gives us peace with God. But also, Jesus, secondly this morning, is the Prince of Peace who gives us peace from God. You know, what's the opposite of peace? Anxiety, right? And again, this world, our world... Perhaps this morning in an unusual way or uh, a way like never before, your world is filled with anxiety, isn't it? Stress on every side. Anybody got any anxiety today? Anything, anything stressing you out? Anybody? Okay, let's just... Okay, I think you were honest on the Prince thing, but let's just be real honest at this point. Anybody more stressed than you were a few years ago? Just look around. I just want everybody to be honest and see. You're not alone, right? And let me just tell you, if, if people in a church are, are saying that, those that 
never darken the door of a church, never hear the truth of God, don't, don't know about Christ, let me tell you, they're stressed. By the way, keep that in mind at work, right? Keep that in mind in the neighborhood. You, don't, you, don't have, you have no idea where people are, but here's what, they, here's what I tell you. Just like you need some peace from time to time, peace from God, man, they, they need peace from God too. Jesus is the Prince of Peace who gives us peace from God. I love Philippians 4. We'll start reading verse 5, at the very end of verse 5, down through verse 7. Paul says, and this is so huge, the Lord is at hand. God is with us. Emmanuel, Jesus has come to be with us. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And what's going to happen? And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And so what we talked about in, in, in point number one is, is an objective peace. Something that is true of you if you've trusted Jesus. It's a standing, it's a legal standing before Almighty God. It's a re relational connection that's established forever between you and God. You become His child. He becomes your father when you trust Jesus. Number two here is more about an experiential uh, reality where we experience in our hearts the peace of God, as the text says. It's, it's, it's when God gives us peace. It's not about our relationship with him in terms of, of the war being over, the, the, the relationship being healed and reconciled. It's about me in the middle of my anxieties, in the middle of the stressors all around me, knowing a peace that nobody can explain, for which the only explanation is God gives me that peace. Like supernatural stuff is happening in my heart and in my mind. This is the privilege we have to live. To walk around every day being, being indwelt by the Spirit of the Prince of Peace. Apart from Christ, there is no peace like that internally. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. How do you get there, though, according to this text? Don't miss this part. What is the action you're told to, 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 to do? What are you called to do in these verses, fellow believers, so that this can happen in your heart? Pray. Don't worry about anything. Pray about everything, in effect. Take all your requests and make them known to God. Go to the Lord who's at hand, Philippians 4, verse 5. That means the Lord who is near He's not left you. He's there. Go talk to him. Give him all your cares. Pray about all those stressors. And when you do that, when you give those things to God and say, God, I cannot do this. I can't handle this stuff. But you're, you came into time. You lived in a place. You died in a place. You rose again. You reign on the throne today. We'll see more about that later. You're with me. You can handle this, and I trust you to do it. You know what happens in that moment? The Spirit of God fills your heart with a peace that passes human understanding. Don't dumb that down. Don't mess with that. Like that supernatural stuff going on inside. 
And here's the deal. If you're not living in that kind of supernatural, unexplainable kind of peace, then you're not enjoying the fullness of the salvation God has given you. What a privilege. John Piper says the picture here is that our hearts and minds are under assault. That sounds familiar, doesn't it? Guilt, worries, threats, confusions, uncertainties, they all threaten our peace. And Paul says, God wants to guard your hearts and your minds. Don't limit the peace of God by what your understanding can see. He gives us inexplicable peace, supra-rational peace. And he does it when we take our anxieties to him in prayer and trust him that he will carry them for us and protect us. His peace come to us and, comes to us and steadies us and protects us from the disabling effects of fear and anxiety and guilt. Jesus said it this way, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives, do I give to you. Well, how? How can we enjoy this peace from God? How can we enjoy this peace with God? Romans 15, verse 13. Paul puts it in the form of a prayer here, but we learn a lot in this, in this simple prayer. May the God of hope, he's praying for the church at Rome, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace. That's where we want to be, right? We want to know this peace from God. We want to be filled with this peace and joy from God. How do we get there? May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. And so very simply, are you trusting in Jesus and giving him all of your anxiety and worry and stress in prayer so that you're filled with all joy and peace so that you're abounding day after day in hope. Does that describe your heart? Does that describe your mind? Jesus is the Prince of Peace from whom, or who gives us peace from God. Peace with God, peace from God. You can live now and forever in the peace Jesus gives. Thirdly, though, Jesus is the Prince of Peace who gives peace among men. World peace, it's just a joke without the power of the Prince of Peace, isn't it? I mean, just look at world history. Everybody had to take a world history class, I think, to, to, to graduate high school. I mean, it, it's just, you know, there's times of relative peace, but then what happens? War breaks out. Somebody's fighting. Kingdoms rise. Kingdoms fall. World peace, apart from the power of God, is a joke. But through Jesus, the Prince of Peace, we can know real and eternal peace among men. Ephesians 2, we pick it up in verse 13. Paul's talking to the church at Ephesus, a church of Gentiles. And he's describing to them the reality that they who are Gentiles in Jesus can be one with Jews. And, 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 and the whole history there in that part of the world is Jews were, were separate from Gentiles they, they, because they had, uh, by God, a special relationship given to them with the God of Israel, the, the one true and living God. All other nations were Gentiles and, and far from all of the covenants and the blessings and, and they didn't have God's word and so forth. And so there's this divide in, in the world. But here in Ephesians 2, Paul says, But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace 
who has made us both one, that is Jew and Gentile, and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two. That is, in place of Jew and Gentile, one new man, we call it the church, so making peace and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. And he came and preached peace to you who were far off, and peace to those who were near. For through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. That's a long passage. What's, 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 what's Paul saying in a nutshell? With the coming of Jesus, with the birth of the Prince of Peace born of a woman born under the law to redeem those under the law that we might become sons and daughters of God. Here's what happens. There's no more Jew and Gentile. Everybody needs a Savior. doesn't matter where you're from. doesn't matter if you're part of God's chosen nation anymore. All that doesn't matter anymore. Now there's a new Israel being created through faith in Jesus Christ. Jew must believe in the Lord Jesus as Messiah, must trust Him as Savior to come into the people of God. Gentile must believe in, in, in Jesus Christ as their only hope and Savior to become part of the, the, the new Israel of God, to become part, as that passage describes, of the new temple of God. No longer a building. We are the living house of God, First Peter chapter 2 says. And, and, and Paul says because of that, it doesn't matter how different you are. It doesn't matter if you are uh, an American. And, or, and, and, I, mean, I mean, today we have brothers and sisters all around the world. You know, we're kind of cocky as Americans, okay? Let me just go ahead and get that, that part over with. But we have brothers and sisters the world over today. There are believers that you will spend eternity with in Russia today. They've been in the news lately. They're trying to do some bad things with Ukraine, a lot of mess going on. But here's the thing. There are, there are Russian believers, just like me and you, and we are their brothers and sisters. And we are one with them. And can I just say we're more one with them than we are with Americans who don't know Jesus? Hello? Y'all all right? Like you're going to spend eternity with people all around the world that aren't Americans but know Jesus and they're your family. And so what Paul is getting at and, what, and what, what, what we're saying about the Prince of Peace, the Prince of Peace has come to give peace among men all of the sudden. Not world peace among everybody that's ever lived on the planet or even everybody currently living on the planet. But in the church of Jesus Christ, there is a peace that goes across all national divides, all ethnic divides, all uh, racial and economic and, and so, 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 sociological divides. Any divide that, that divides us as humanity, there's a bridge and his name is Jesus. Because at the foot of the cross, the ground is level. Everyone needs a Savior and Jesus is the only Savior. There is no other name given among men by which men must be saved. Jesus came to give peace among men. Romans 12, verse 18, 
Paul tells us there as we live in the, in, in the church of Jesus Christ, as we, as we relate to our church family in, a, in, in, in this local place, if possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Now what that means is, me and you may not get along, and there's only so much I can do, but Paul says, I've got to do all I can do to get along with you, to figure out our differences, to work out our problems. Now you've got a part, and that's the part I can't handle. As far as it depends on me, I'm supposed to do what I need to do to make my relationship right with you and vice versa, right? Well, and again, just go ahead and be honest. Don't, don't make me aggravate you on this one. I mean, you ever had trouble with another church member? You ever had a disagreement? Yeah, some, some of you, oh, wow, some hands are like, oh! <laughs> yeah, I mean, those are the aggravate. I mean, it's really unfortunate, it's really bad, and, and, and sometimes they're the worst disagreements you have, aren't they? I mean, since we're being honest. You know what those, you know what it requires for you to actually fix that relationship and do what it says, live at peace? Remember, Jesus came to give peace among men. And, and let me tell you, if, if he came to, to bring people from all over the world into one body, he sure came to make us be able to get along in a local, one locality, right? Uh, you know what has to happen for that to, ha- what has to happen in your heart and between you and that other person for you to have peace? Forgiveness. Ooh. Man, you're so I wasn't going there, right? <laughs> Forgiveness is necessary for us to have peace with other sinners. Ephesians 4, 32 says this, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another. Listen, as God in Christ forgave you, As God, through the Prince of Peace, gave you peace with Him, now you work that same grace out between you. You forgive others the way you've been forgiven. And guess what that means? There's nothing we can't, that, that that we, there's nothing justifiable for us to not forgive about. Hello? Can't get that out very good, but you understand? How has God in Christ forgiven you? Completely, totally, all my sin. What does that mean for our relationships? That means that I can't say no when you ask me to forgive you for something you've done wrong to me. I have to look to the cross, to Jesus, and see what he's done for me and say, if he's done that for God, if you've done that for me, I, 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 how can I? I can't withhold that grace and that mercy from another brother, another sister. Jesus is the prince of peace who gives peace among men. So I don't know. I, Maybe you're in the middle of one of those situations right here at East Elgin Baptist Church this morning. There's no better time than at Christmas while we're talking about the Prince of Peace for you to get peace with that brother or that sister. And I'm just going to tell you, the only way is to forgive them. The only way is to give to them. Be reminded of the grace you've received and give it to that brother. Give that grace to that sister. And get it right. You can't very effectively witness for the Prince of Peace if you're living in a war with your own brother, with your own sister in Christ. Amen? You can live now and forever in the peace Jesus gives. Finally this morning, Jesus is the Prince of Peace who has initiated and will consummate God's eternal kingdom of unending peace. Verse 7 of Isaiah 9. Here's what it says. Of the increase of His government... And of peace. That is the government of the Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice 
and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. That last phrase means this is going to get done. God's going to see to it. How determined is God? Well, I mean, he's God. If he says he's going to do something, what does he do? He does what he says. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. This doesn't depend on us. God will make sure that the kingdom of the Prince of Peace never quits growing until it's finally completed in eternity. The increase of his government and of peace, there'll be no end. He'll establish it and uphold it with righteousness and with, with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore, eternally. Let's think about justice and righteousness in Jesus' reign for just a second. Because Jesus reigns in justice, this text says, we don't have to fear. Justice will come to our enemies, or God might just save our enemies, like he did us. We can obey Jesus and pray for and love our enemies as Jesus told us to, leaving final justice to God. But you see, if we decide we have to be the one to bring justice, then we'll go through this life being all about revenge instead of redemption. God reigns. Jesus, the Prince of Peace, reigns in justice. Don't worry about everything being made right. It will be made right in the end. Jesus, the, the scriptures say that God says this, vengeance is mine, I will repay. I'll take care of all the injustices in life. You know what our job is? To love our enemies and pray for those who persecute us and tell them about the only one who can change them just like he did us. Because Jesus reigns in righteousness, he reigns in justice, but he reigns in righteousness, the text says. We can live life to its fullest by denying ourselves and obeying Jesus' commands because they're all good and right and beautiful. Amen? Jesus reigns in righteousness. What he says is right. The way he tells us to live is good. In John 10, verse 10, Jesus said, I've come that they may have life and, and then they, they may have it more abundantly. They may have it to the full. How many of you really want to live a full life. You want to get all the good out of it. The best way to do that is to obey Jesus who said, if you would come after me, deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me. Did you know that the path to the fullness of life, the path to the happiest life, the path to the most satisfying life that can ever be lived on the planet is to obey those words of Jesus, to deny yourself. Say no to your, to your plans, to your ambitions. Say yes to Jesus and say, Jesus, I am going to crucify my desires. I'm going to take up my cross. That means I'm going I'm to crucify myself and what I want, and you're going to be Lord, you're going to be master, and I'm going to follow after you and go the way you tell me to go because I believe you're good, and I believe you reign in righteousness. And what that that means is you want what's right and best for me. There's no better way for me to live. Now, back to the of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. This is what's amazing. And I don't know if we fully realize this, but we're living in the time when this is being unfolded in history. Now you say, what in the world are you talking about? Have you not watched the news lately? No, I've watched the news lately, but that's our problem. We watch the news over and over and over again. 
you say, well, then you dummy, if you've watched the news, you know there's no peace. I mean, you're the one that said a while ago, world peace, what a joke, it's not going to happen. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. You know, we talk a lot of, uh, around here about reaching the unreached. Every Sunday morning, we did, did not do this this morning, but every Sunday morning at the beginning of the service, we pray for an unreached people group, those who've never heard about Jesus. We pray for them by name in different parts of the world. And we should do that. There are still today literally billions of people who've yet to be reached with the gospel. So we should be praying for them. We should be talking about that all the time. It's the mission of the church of Jesus Christ. But, but I want us to take just a second. It's good for us to realize every now and then how the kingdom of the Prince of Peace is advancing today. This is news that you ought to get a, a, a whiff of every now and then. You ought, you ought to look this up and, and, and keep track of this and be reminded of this. Listen to me. Today, there are 2.54 billion people who would call themselves Christians in the world. On the day of Pentecost, when the day began, there was 120. There was 3,120 at the end of that day. But what I'm telling you is that today there are 2.54 billion people in the world who would call themselves Christians. Now you say, Chad, are they all really born again? Okay, I, I got it. Okay, but just for the comparison's sake, there's false Christians just like there's false other religions. But by comparison... There's only 1.92 billion Muslims in the world and 1.07 billion Hindus in the world. Sadly, in the West, that's our part of the world, the church is shrinking. But ironically, the church is advancing most rapidly in Africa, the Middle East, in China, places where it's dangerous, even life-threatening to follow Jesus. Does anybody know the location of the world's fastest growing church? Does anybody know the location where the, 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 the fires of revival burn the hottest and people are being saved left and right? Anybody know the name of that country? Iran. And it's been so for 20 years. The church in Iran has no property, no buildings, no central leadership, and is predominantly led by women. Islam is losing its hold there in Iran because of the worst devastation in its 5,000-year history uh, coming during the last 40 years of Islamic law under the Ayatollahs. 20 years ago, listen to this, 20 years ago, there were roughly, and it was, you know, it's just hard to get these numbers right, somewhere between five and 10,000, just say 7,500 believers in the whole nation of Iran. Today, there are 800,000 to, 800, to 1 million believers in Jesus in Iran. And again, this is in a land where there's a real cost for following Jesus. Last year, 2020, two Christians were flogged 80 times with a whip for taking communion wine. Today, many of our brothers and sisters in Iran are imprisoned for long periods of time for their faith. Some are sentenced to death by hanging in that country. And yet, Iranian men, women, boys, and girls are running away from the lies of Islam that have been exposed through all the devastation an Islamic regime has brought, and they are running to Jesus. Believers there tell stories of how they go into a new area and they start talking about Jesus, and they're like, yes! This is the truth I've been waiting for. 
This is the one that God gave me a dream about and told me you were going to come talk about. I ran. You see, that's the news you don't hear. God's kingdom, the reign of the Prince of Peace, his government, it's increasing. The end of his peace, it knows no end. It's advancing, expanding, overcoming Satan's best schemes through the preaching of the gospel of Christ, which Paul tells us in Romans 1 is the power of God unto salvation. We sing a song, Come, Desire of Nations, Come, because Jesus is the desire of nations. Because his bride resides within every nation, every people group, and every language. And one day they, we will gather at the wedding feast of the Lamb. You see, history isn't random. It's redemptive, and it belongs to Jesus. Isaiah 2, verse 4, tells of that future time when it all comes to its consummation in eternity. They shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nations shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war anymore. There will be a kingdom of everlasting peace. There will be people from all over this world in the kingdom of God, in the kingdom of the Son, those who worship the Prince of Peace. Isaiah eleven six says, The wolf shall dwell with the lamb, and the leopard shall down, lie down with the young goat, and the calf and the lion and the fattened calf together, and a little child shall lead them. The cow and the bear shall graze. Their young shall lie down together, and the lion shall eat straw like the ox. The nursing child shall play over the hole of the cobra, and the winged child shall put his hand on the adder's den. They shall not hurt or destroy in all my holy mountain, for the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. A, a description of the new heavens and the new earth in which righteousness, Peter says, dwells, and the eternity that you and I long for and wait for. And have been promised forever. Second Peter 3, verse 9. It says, the Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness. There's people in Peter's day, there's people in our day. They were looking at Christians and they were saying, you say Jesus is coming back, where is he at? Been a long time and he's still not back. Hey, it's been a real long time. 2021, 2,000 years, he's still not back. Where's Jesus? The Lord's not slow to fulfill His promise, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. And then the heavens will pass away with a roar, and the heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved, and the earth and the works that are done on it will be exposed. Since all these things are thus to be dissolved, what sort of people ought you to be? in lives of holiness and godliness, waiting for and hastening the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be set on fire and dissolved, and the heavenly bodies will melt away as they burn. But according to his promise, we are waiting for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. What a glorious hope. All because Jesus is the Prince of Peace who has initiated and will consummate God's eternal kingdom of unending 
peace. Revelation 21, verses 1 through 4 describes it. I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. You see, the Prince of Peace has come and is calling his bride day after day, year after year. He's calling us, you, me. To trust Him. And He's doing that all around the world from all nations. And one day we will all be gathered the world over. All gathered together with everyone who's ever trusted in Jesus at the marriage supper of the Lamb. The Prince will take His bride home. This is the great cosmic drama that God is unfolding in human history and will consummate in eternity. Jesus is the Prince of Peace who's initiated and will consummate God's eternal kingdom of unending peace. You see, you can live now and forever in the peace Jesus gives. We read Romans 15, verse 13 earlier, but I want to back up to verse 12 and Get a run and go, Romans 15, 12, and 13. Paul says, as he quotes from Isaiah, and again Isaiah says, the root of Jesse will come. Can I just stop there and tell you the root of Jesse? That's another name for the Prince of Peace who has come. The root of Jesse will come. Even he who arises to rule the Gentiles, in him will the Gentiles hope. You know what? That's happened. You're a Gentile and, and you've hoped in Jesus. Amen. We're living this stuff out. The root of Jesse has come. The Prince of Peace has come. Then Paul prays again in verse 13, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, in believing that he's come and brought that peace with God. That peace from God. That peace that can be had among men. That peace kingdom that is growing today and will extend forever into eternity in the presence of God. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. Listen, it doesn't matter what we're facing. You and I as believers, we should be people of hope because we're people of peace. Are you filled with all joy and peace in believing. In believing in Jesus. Does the power of the Holy Spirit cause you to abound in hope today? Is that you? You can live now and forever in the peace that Jesus gives. One more time, let's get real honest, okay? Is there anyone who, here who would admit that fear and anxiety today are plaguing you. You know, we all kind of generically did it a while ago. You know, yeah, it's, it's the worst time. But maybe you would just, in your heart of hearts, acknowledge that to God. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. But be honest. Maybe you're plagued. You, you say, 
I'm a believer, and, and I don't have that abounding hope. I'm a believer, and I'm not full of joy and peace. Would you surrender to the reign of the Prince of Peace over your life and remember his reign over our world this morning? Listen, Jesus is on the throne. No matter what the news says, King Jesus reigns. No matter what tomorrow's headlines are, even if there's another variant that pops up, no matter what the coming new year holds for my life or yours, no matter what happens in Washington, no matter what the rulers of this world do to one another, hear me, though it may not be easy or comfortable or pleasant, Jesus never promised that. But no matter what happens, you can live now and forever in the peace Jesus gives because Jesus, the Prince of Peace, has come and of His government and of His peace, there will be no end. There will be no end. That's why the angel said in Luke 2, 14, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom He's pleased. All glory goes to God because He sent the Prince of Peace to give us peace. Peace with God. <coughs> peace from God. Peace with each other among men. And to make us part of a kingdom that is extending his peace throughout the world and that will last forever. What a privilege to be living as believers in Jesus today. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your grace and mercy that sent Jesus to be our, our peace Jesus, we worship you as the Prince of Peace, and we surrender to your reign. Thank you that you reign in justice and righteousness. And thank you that as you reign over all things, there will be no end to your reign, and there will be no end to the peace that that reign brings. Even when we can't see it, God, help us to know the power and the certain guaranteed success of the kingdom of your son. May we be bold with the gospel, the message that gives salvation and the only message that brings peace with God, from God, with men, and for eternity. Father, I pray if there's anybody here today that doesn't know the Prince of Peace, that today would be the day they found first and foremost peace with God through simple childlike faith in the finished work of Jesus. Believing God. Believing what God says Jesus has done for us in His perfect life, His sin-atoning death, and His resurrection. Father, in this moment, I pray that You would make an enemy a son, a daughter. Even as they trust Christ. And oh God, for us, Your people, may we live out the fullness that we have in Jesus as our Prince of Peace. May we not trifle with these things. May we not just ignore what's ours. 
realizing that when we do that, we may be giving evidence that we're those who say, Lord, Lord, but to whom Jesus will one day say, depart from me, I never knew you. May we daily be serious about walking with the Prince of Peace so the world can see a hope that can't be explained any other way except a risen and reigning Savior. We pray it all for your name's sake as we ask it today. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand together and close as we, as we worship in song.
You may be seated for just a moment. Uh, just a few quick announcements. First of all, our crowd to Jesus prayer service is tonight at 6 o'clock right here. So join your church family as we pray together uh, for many, many needs um, in our church and around the world. There will be no Chapter 8 Youth and Seeds Kids for the next two Wednesdays. Is that correct, somebody? Yes? Okay. For the next two Wednesdays, enjoy Christmas break. Uh, there will be, this Wednesday night at 6.30, there will be See for Yourself Bible Study and Larry Monax's Adult Bible Study. So we'll see you 6.30 this Wednesday. This Friday evening is Christmas Eve at 5 o'clock. We'll gather for our Christmas Eve candlelight communion service. I just want to encourage you, please invite at least one friend, family, co-worker, neighbor uh, to join you. Um, that night, Christmas Eve, is the, the night that people are most likely to say yes to your invitation and join you at church. And uh, what I can promise you is this. If you ask them and get them here, they will hear the gospel. They will understand the good news about Jesus before they leave. And they won't be here more than 45, minutes, 45 50 minutes. So we'll keep it uh, short, but uh, we pray pointed and, and clear as we celebrate uh, the coming of Christ and communion together on Friday night, 5 o'clock. Also, thank you once again for all of your uh, love shown to the family that we uh, as a church have helped. Uh, all the Christmas gifts, those were delivered on Friday. And I can tell you the family was just overwhelmed by your generosity and love. And thank you for um, allowing this family, this precious family, to have um, uh, a joyful Christmas uh, and, and provide for many of their needs as well as some things that were fun for their children and that kind of thing that they wouldn't otherwise be able to do. Uh, we, one of our adult Sunday school classes is providing hoodies for students who need warm clothing. Uh, they've already done that. We, we kind of fronted the cost of that. If you'd like to donate to that cause, then please contact Travis Green, Kyle Ray, or Stacy Lanning. If you don't know any of those people, see me, and we'll get that figured out. And so thank you for your uh, generosity during this Christmas season. Are there other announcements that need to be made at this time? If not, Jim Leslie, will you dismiss us in prayer, please, sir?